This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. This show, Politics, Politics, Politics Program, has been awash recently in discussions about the Republican Party. Oh, the GOPers we have discussed. As low as Asia Hutchinson and Doug Burgum, the Vivek Ramaswamis of the world, and then Ron DeSantis, the Nikki Haley, and oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, the Donald Trump coverage we have given. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you are somebody who is sick and tired of that particular party's coverage, this is your episode. Although, just because we're covering doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to like what we cover. We're going to take a full look at Joe Biden at this moment in June 2023, one year since his lowest approval rating. Where does he stand? He's a candidate for president of the United States. He is out doing physical rallies. But it's not clear sailing. And his head-to-head polling, not only with DeSantis, but now also with Trump, is getting uncomfortably close, if not perilously bad. But we're not only going to talk about the candidate the Democratic Party would prefer us to follow We're also going to talk about a subject the Republicans are actively trying to avoid, and that is the upcoming one-year anniversary of the repeal of Roe versus Wade. Where do we stand now politically, and what is the future of this issue? Friends, We go blue, and no matter who you are, I guarantee you're going to have a good time listening to this show. Unless you're a huge, gigantic Joe Biden fan. In that case, maybe earmuffs for the first segment. For Dog and Pony Show Audio, I'm Justin Robert Young, and this is Politics, Politics, Politics. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about building an economy, literally, not figuratively, from the bottom up and the middle out, not the top down. Because when the middle class does well, everybody does well. So, there are a lot of politicians in this country who can't say the word union. Because you know I'm not one of them. I'm proud to say the word. I'm proud to be the most pro-union president in American history. But if this room didn't show up for work tomorrow on Monday, the whole country would come to a grinding halt. It's time for everyone. I mean everyone, no matter how rich or powerful they are, to start paying their fair share. You've carried the country on your back. You've carried long enough. It's time for millionaires and billionaires and big corporations to pay their fair share. I can get that done, but I need you badly. So are you with me? 
That is Joe Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., the 46th president of the United States at what his campaign deemed the kickoff to his reelection campaign took place in Pennsylvania, one of the many states that Joe Biden claims is home. And was in front of about as friendly of a, of, a, of a crowd as you can get for Joe Biden. Bunch of union people. So let's go ahead and just take a look, a snapshot at where Joe Biden is right now. So when he announced that he was running for president of the United States of America again on April 25th, his approval rating was 10.5. Three below. So he has been underwater for a pretty long time. And this actually wasn't terrible. It wasn't as bad as it's ever been. We're going to get there in a second. So what's happened since he announced that he was president? Because as we record this now, it's, you know, late June. He's at negative 13.6. So he has actually become less popular since he announced. Not great. But obviously when you're president, you don't control your messaging. The entire world is going to be reacting to the things that you do, and you're going to get blamed for a lot of stuff that you have minimal to no control over. Here's what you can say. One year ago, June 20th, 2022, we were at the beginning of the worst of Joe Biden's approval ratings. We were at 15. That got as bad as 19. There was that moment where he was flirting with 20 points underwater. This, of course, all with a real clear politics. Let's go ahead and look at some of the cross tabs. If you're unfamiliar with this phrase, this is when you do polling, but based on the various different demographic areas, you can break it down. So you can say, well, here we go. Uh, uh, let's do it by race. White people. They like Joe. He is at 62% approval, 35% disapproval. And that's basically his best group right now, which does not bode well for him because there's a Biden coalition that elected him in 2020. And it included a lot of non-whites. So what's that number? Well, right now, he's barely, barely uh, above water there. 49% to 42%. So he's only up by seven. He's going to need a lot more than that if he's going to win re-election. Well, let's look at another big signifier. Donald Trump won the presidency in 2016 largely because he was able to turn out whites without a college degree. That was the big deal. So non-college voters are not fans of Joe. 61% disapproval, 33% approval. Meanwhile, college-educated voters, those are his bread and butter. He needs non-whites in the city, and whites in the suburbs with a college degree. He is currently up 
10 points there. But that's a demographic that has gone back and forth. He was underwater with college degree holders before. Let's take a look here. Urban versus suburban. Another not great statistic. He is up 48 to 44 with urban voters. And suburban voters, he's underwater. 56 to 40. We're going to go back into the numbers, but let's let's stop here because I want to repeat something that I've said a lot on the Republican side. This election is going to turn on a demographic that has been trending away from the Republicans and was the decisive blow in 2020. And that is the suburbs of states that can flip like Georgia, Nevada, Arizona. Those are huge, right? These are states that if you win them for the Democrats, you are doing damage on flippable states that should lean Republican, that have leaned more Democrat recently. And a lot of that is the suburbs. People that used to be persuadable to a Republican side and then somewhere uh, between here uh, and, and there with gay marriage in between have slowly started being more open to Democrats. Now, a lot of that tends to be because of Trump, right? That is what the Republicans will tell you. No, 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 no. They don't hate the Republican Party. They hate Trump. And some of that is absolutely true. And as we're going to get to a little bit later in this show, Roe versus Wade and wherever the Republican Party lands on abortion, which right now is all over the map, could also be something that cements it. Let's take some more look at the numbers. Men and women. Men, Joe Biden is underwater by 13 points and women, he is underwater by more. He's underwater by 16 points with women. That's also not great because if he wants Roe versus Wade to be the issue that carries him over the finish line, then he's going to have to have a message that resonates with women. So let's get into the bad news here. All right. First, he's old and everyone knows it. After getting away with Hyde Biden in 2020, the hope for any sitting president, but certainly the oldest sitting president in history, would be to execute a Rose Garden strategy for his reelection. So what's a Rose Garden strategy? Less rallies for the sake of rallying and more looking presidential during speeches and signings. And sometimes at those events, you can take a little uh, press question. And that press question can be something that keeps your candidate in the conversation when it comes to the race, right? So you don't have to go out in a rally and give a stump speech where you attack your opponent. You can just say, yeah, I'll take one question. And the question is going to be about your opponent. You can basically do what you did there and probably get more press coverage because the White House press corps is, you know, built to cover the things that you say. But that's not going to be enough this year. 
I mean, it's certainly going to be a large part of it. I don't believe that Joe Biden is going to be the most vigorous campaigner on the planet, but he's got a lot to prove here. A majority of Democrats in a recent poll said that they didn't want him to run. And age is a huge part of it. He took a terrible tumble during a a commencement speech a couple weeks ago. That's not great. And while I know that people get reflexive whenever one of your candidates' weaknesses is brought up, tactically, it's something that you ignore at your peril. Joe Biden needs to prove to the country from now until next Thanksgiving that he is spry, that he is there. Yes, he's going to run against somebody else, and eventually it's going to become a binary. But I'm telling you, this issue comes up all the time. There was a recent uh, word cloud from a, from a survey, a, a national survey, about all the different candidates. There was Trump and DeSantis. You know, uh, Trump, the biggest word in the word cloud was criminal. But there was a lot of other stuff. DeSantis. Was a bunch of stuff, but uh, I think fascist came up, <laughs> you know, a lot. But also there was like Florida and leader. It was a bunch of different stuff. Joe Biden had one gigantic, bold word. Old. Either you deal with that or you will feel a drag in the general. Let's go back to this Reuters Ipsos poll that I was citing with all the demographics. Because they also list out the top issue in the country. And according to Reuters, both Republicans and Democrats have named the most important issue in the country concerning Americans to be the economy. 24% of all Respondents had the exact same answer. The other issues, crime, immigration, inequality, and the environment. Now, the top three issues there are the things that Republicans will hammer Joe Biden on. Because the economy right now is at its best. Weird. Unemployment's very low despite there being a persistent labor shortage in some industries. Inflation has stopped the runaway gallop it had in 2022, although it's still higher than economists would like. And the Fed pulled up on their punishing of it, declining to raise rates for the first time since the beginning of the the heavy inflation realization of last summer. Of course, we've had a run of regional bank failures that have been tied to specific issues. And yet, doomers for this economy will tell you that the real hammer is going to fall with real estate. But not like 2008. This isn't about subprime mortgages to personal real estate. No, no, no. Commercial real estate. About $270 billion in commercial real estate loans held by banks will come due this year. $80 billion of that figure is just for offices. That 
is an area of our economy that has been tremendously affected by work from home policies that largely went in during COVID. Defaults, like we have seen in commercial real estate with hotels and malls in San Francisco and New York City, could cause a run on more regional banks, which in turn could cause a contagion to have a larger market effect. And yet, there is some bright spot here. America's top banker, J.P. Morgan Chase, CEO Jamie Dimon, told CNN that he couldn't be sure whether or not banks would fail this year at a larger rate than we'd seen. He was quick to point out that this current situation is very different than 2008, where hundreds of institutions around the world had way too much leverage on those subprime mortgages. But here's the uncomfortable thing for Biden. The only thing he can really do about the economy is pray. Here's my final thought of bad news. COVID's gone. Now, that's good news for us as humans, but politically it is bad news for Biden. Because aside from the people who left Twitter for blue sky, COVID is no longer a day-to-day concern for most voting Americans. I mean, let me, let me read these most important issues in, in the country. The economy, crime, immigration, inequality, environment, healthcare systems, morality, war, conflict, terrorism, abortion issues, education, public health is down at the bottom with less than 1% of Democrats and less than 1% of Republicans citing it. It is slightly above energy issues. That means that the key issue that Joe Biden got elected on in 2020, his leadership being seen as steadier than Trump, will not be a factor when we get to the race next year. That is unless, you know, there's another pandemic. I, I, I might even edit that out. I don't even want to put that into the world. I'm going to end this segment by saying, obviously, Joe Biden is not the nominee of the Democratic Party yet, but it's all but sewn up. We are going to spend Friday's episode talking about the quixotic journey of Bobby Kennedy Jr., But I do have one last question to bring us on home. With everything that we've talked about with Joe Biden, you would think that in a different world, he would be somebody that other Democrats would be interested in trying to primary. That they would try their hand at. And of course, it's never going to happen because party politics are party politics. And if you go against the sitting president, then you're pretty much persona non grata in that group forever. Which brings up this question. The hell is Gavin Newsom doing? I don't want to do an interview. I want to make sure the audience understands up front. This is not going to be me. I want you to answer and give your views. I would say you represent probably about half the country, your views, and the other half represents mine. You agree? We're kind of divided. Plus or minus. Certainly divided. Yeah. 
Yeah. No question. I mean, I'm not, you know, we're polarized. We're traumatized. We clearly are in these and we're in these echo chambers. I mean, let's be candid, Sean. I mean, you know, my your folks are watching you and getting a certain perspective. And my folks are watching other networks getting You'd a certain perspective. We as have well. studies that show a lot of Democrats watch me. Well, including me. Oh. So I'm actually I'm here for a reason yeah. to with the point, though. I yeah. think uh, we need more of that cross pollinization. We need more of these kind of conversations and we need to not just, you know, accuse each other. Uh, of misleading the American people, uh, but I think confront each other in the context of providing opportunities to address some of the facts that are often omitted in terms of the conversations and topics we choose to pick up. That's the governor of California, the most populous and liberal state in America, making nice nice with Sean Hannity on Fox News last week. It's the kind of thing you do if you're trying to announce yourself as a general election candidate to the nation. He's also been furthering a personal feud with Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida and current presidential candidate, recording campaign ads where the sitting governor of California flies out to a Florida college campus to point out his issues with how the Sunshine State has handled education. So. If it looks like a primary campaign and it talks like a primary campaign and it's targeting another presidential candidate, is it a primary campaign? No, I, I, I don't think so. Here's what explains all this to me. Gavin Newsom is term limited in California, which means that his 2022 victory will be his last term as governor of California. And so he actually faced a very similar situation to Ron DeSantis, that he's kind of got to make hay now in the national spotlight while he's still in a position that has to pay attention to him. Because he's going to leave office in 2026, and we're not going to have another presidential election until 2028. And if Joe Biden wins this one, that means that even if Gavin Newsom wanted to get in, he would have to face a black woman from his state who would be prospectively the first black woman president. That's not great. That'd be a real uphill battle for him. I don't care how unpopular Kamala Harris is. There is nothing that the Democratic Party loves more than the first, capital T, capital F. So for Newsom, he's just kind of got to do stuff now. He's sitting on a bunch of money. He's going to use it however he sees fit. And then, you know, if Biden loses, then he can run in 2028. Like 2026, I mean, this is not, not all that crazy. He can stay in the news for a couple months, especially if he announces or teases that he's going to run. Or, you know, let's say the economy does tank. Let's say maybe there's some health issues for Joe. There'd be one candidate already tanned rested and ready to run.
This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. If you would like to support this show, only one place to do it, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. For only three bucks a week, you get two bonus episodes each and every week. Bringing it to you, making sure that you know what's going on. And we're getting to that period of time where you're going to want every possible take that I have because I want to remind everybody that my takes operate on a Creative Commons no attribution license. If you're in a conversation where somebody has something to say and you know it's kind of dumb and you want to cite something that I've said and use it as your own opinion, please do. And if I'm giving you that, then you want as many arrows in that quiver as possible. TakePoliticsSeriously.com, $3 level. Less than a cup of coffee. Let's get into your update. The Justice Department has reached an agreement with Hunter Biden, President Biden's son, to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges. This concludes an extraordinary politically sensitive investigation. Hunter Biden will admit to misdemeanors for failing to pay his 2017 and 2018 taxes on time and consent to a probation period. In return, while being charged with a separate gun purchase violation during a drug use period, he will not be persecuted for this incident either. That's a felony. That is provided he stays drug free for 24 months and renounces future firearm ownership. So good Lord, if somebody catches Hunter Biden smoking crack. Hunter Biden's lawyer, Christopher Clark, said that this agreement essentially resolves the five-year-long investigation into Hunter's finances, drug use, and international business dealings. The case still requires approval from a federal judge, and Hunter Biden is due to appear in a Delaware federal court to be arraigned and plead guilty to the tax offenses. The agreements also prevent a possible federal prison sentence for Hunter Biden, assuming that there are no unforeseen charges or issues. However, the case's politics remain contentious. Republicans have been keen to link Hunter Biden's controversy to his father, using them to question President Biden's integrity. The agreement, which follows the indictment of former President Donald Trump on charges of endangering national security, is likely to fuel criticism from the right and heighten Republican efforts to depict the Justice Department and FBI as biased toward Democrats. The probe focused on a troubled period in Hunter Biden's life when he was addicted to drugs and alcohol and was engaging in international business dealings, in part due to his father's political stature. Can we get a do-over on the laptop? I just want a do-over on the laptop. I feel like, especially now, I mean, like these charges are largely stemming because of the, the attention and the proof that we got from the hacks on Joe Biden, you know, from all that data, from his iCloud, when he's showing things he's not supposed to have. And so the reason why the, the firearm is a felony is because he, he was not allowed to purchase one. And there was a back and forth that was revealed via text messages where his then girlfriend and former wife, of Hunter's dead brother, Bo, took the gun and threw it away. And then they had to go through Secret Service to find the gun. Like, it's just an absolute mess. 
And I just wish that this were more in the open. I wish that people just kind of knew more because this is a crazy story. We've never had a presidential child. I mean, this is, I mean, Hunter's a full grown man with kids of his own, but like we've never had the, the child of a president be this buck wild with this kind of track record. And he's flying down to Alabama to talk about how his his love child with a stripper in D.C. that that the child isn't his. And I mean, just insane. So this is a resolution of part of it. And obviously we are we're going to get some. But if Trump was Joe Biden's son, would he be in trouble? Kind of commentary. Let's talk about Trump. I said I wasn't going to talk about Trump this episode. This is, I guarantee you, the last time I'm going to talk about Trump. In a recent turn of events, the judge presiding over the prosecution of former President Trump, Eileen M. Cannon, set an expedited schedule for the upcoming classified documents case for which Trump was indicted last week. The trial has been proposed to commence on August 14th. A timeline expected to be disrupted by extensive pretrial litigation, such as the addressing of handling of classified materials. Despite Judge Cannon's past controversial rulings favoring Trump and her relative inexperience, her determination to swiftly proceed with the case has been noted. Some experts believe that while the set trial date may not hold due to pending processes like the transfer of classified evidence to the defense, this move indicates her intent to move the case along as efficiently as possible. What remains unclear is whether a speedy trial aligns with Trump's legal strategy, which has typically involved prolonging cases. The particular case in question could extend past the 2024 elections, a scenario that could theoretically enable Trump to pardon himself should he win. Further proceedings in this case, following the initial indictment of Trump and aide Walter Nada two weeks ago, are to be held at Judge Cannon's home courthouse in Fort Pierce, Florida. Judge Cannon's order also mandates the filing of all pretrial motions by July 24th, demonstrating her commitment to ex- expedite the case. So we don't know where the trial is going to happen, but we do know that the pretrial motions are going to happen in Fort Pierce. There is a bit of a controversy as to where this trial is going to happen. Because where the trial happens is where the jury's from. And there are some parts of South Florida that are more in Trump's favor than others. I think we said this last week. Uh, If you were to rank them from most liberal to most MAGA, you would say the Broward County Courthouse is the most liberal. Miami-Dade is the second most. Palm Beach, where Trump lives, is the third most, and the most MAGA is Fort Pierce. So we will see. I mean, Fort Pierce is tight. Nobody goes to Fort Pierce unless you're driving to Orlando. And that wraps it up for our update. TakePoliticsSeriously.com, $3 level, gets you two bonus episodes each and every week. Let's get back to the show. This weekend will be the one year anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. 
Immediately after the Dobbs versus Jackson decision eliminated the constitutional right to an abortion based on that precedent, several states have changed their laws on this subject. 14 states have created new legislation and several others have significantly limited access to the procedure. Meanwhile, some states have seen their bans temporarily blocked by the courts, while Democratic-leaning states have moved to expand access and to codify Roe on a state level. The ramification of this decision will certainly be felt for years to come, reaching nearly every aspect of our political system. But this is also true in the current 2024 presidential race that we are looking at, with the politics of abortion access continuing to be a dominant issue. Republicans have not been able to get on the same page. Even amongst our top Republican candidates, you've got Donald Trump, the far and away leader, saying that Ron DeSantis' six-week proposed ban in Florida will be too harsh. We've got some candidates unwilling to say whether or not they will sign a federal abortion ban or if the line for which we have always heard from Republicans is indeed true and that this is a state-by-state issue, which is what it is right now. The inability for Republicans to get on the same page here leaves them incredibly vulnerable because Roe and abortion was, for all intents and purposes, a settled issue unless we were talking about a presidential election when everybody would get fired up about the Supreme Court. Now, it is something that has affected every single race that has happened in the year's time since. I think it is pretty uncontroversial to say that the Democrats may well have lost the Senate and have faced greater deficits in the House if this decision were not made, if you just kept the political meta the way it is. Senate Democrats are expected to mark the upcoming anniversary of this decision with a series of unanimous consent requests on the Senate floor. Senator Patty Murray of Washington said that Wednesday they will try UC bills that codify the rights to contraception allow women to travel across state lines to get an abortion, legally shield doctors who perform abortions for out-of-state patients, and safeguard data privacy. Each of these is almost certain to fail, but the effort is about the messaging. They want Republicans on the record as to what they will and will not tolerate when it comes to this issue. Quote Murray, As we mark the one-year anniversary of the Supreme Court ripping away a woman's right to an abortion, Senate Democrats will make plain to the American people that the devastating consequences and chaos that decision inflicted on millions of women in this country. In the House, Democrats say they will file a discharge petition to force a vote on the Women's Health Protection Act, which could codify the right to an abortion. By the way, nearly every Democrat in the House is a co-sponsor of that bill, except for Henry Cuellar of Texas, who has backed national abortion restrictions. He is in a very, uh, you know, conservative and ever-changing to be more conservative district. 
Democrats would need 218 signatures to force a vote on the bill, including six to eight Republicans, which they are unlikely to get. Still, there is significant difference of opinion amongst the GOP conference about how to approach this particular issue. The House was expected to take up a bill this session that would permanently bar the use of federal funds for abortion, a policy commonly known as the Hyde Amendment that is included in the annual appropriation bills. This is something that comes and goes based on who is in the White House. Republican leaders didn't end up bringing the bill to the floor after moderate members pushed back behind the scenes. But for Democrats, the actions this week are just part of a month-long pressure campaign designed to keep Republicans on the defense when it comes to this issue. One of the biggest criticisms that I get with this show is that I'm too cynical and that I am making a game out of something that is deadly serious. And oftentimes it's subjects like this or gun control or civil rights that get me the most criticism. Largely because I try to make these issues and the strategies that go behind them something that are digestible uh, and at least understandable, if not every once in a while, possibly enjoyable. And my pushback on that is that politics doesn't matter. Politics is persuasion. You should care as much about a campaign as you care about whether or not Don Draper's ad campaign in Mad Men is going to succeed or fail based on whether or not he's brilliant. What you should care about are the issues. Certainly, abortion is an issue that is intensely personal to so many of our American citizens on all sides of this issue. So when I tell you, like I told you one year ago, that I do not believe that the national consensus on abortion is really all that far apart. When I point out that national right to life federal legislation that was put forth before Congress, not but a year and a half ago, or maybe it was two years ago, was about what most Americans thought would be appropriate, meaning that we actually had consensus, I absolutely believe it. I absolutely believe that one of the third parties that are gearing up to put a lot of money into this race that is about to happen could very much run on an abortion consensus that either of these two parties would touch. The Republicans don't even know which side they're on. They're still figuring out exactly, they're figuring out exactly how much they can dance to the center without the pro-life people abandoning them. The Democrats are in no actual rush to solve this. They'd rather continue punishing the Republicans. And that's because that's been the utility of this issue. Don't solve it. Make money. Get elected. Stay in power. And that, right there, when you see that there are various different states throughout the South, Midwest, Great Plains, 
that have out and out banned abortion. Out and out. The fact that the Democrats still are talking about messaging bills, not compromise, not a federal compromise, messaging bills. That's the delta between politics and issues. So, since we are politics, 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 and not issues, 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 I will say that you can't knock a strategy that's worked for as long as this one has for them. And until the Republicans can figure out exactly where they stand on this issue, well, they're going to be vulnerable to it. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. You can email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Twitter is px3tweets for the show. Justin R. Young for me. On Twitch, we are at px3live.com. Our newsletter is px3newsletter.com. You can find this podcast and send it to your friends, family, and clergy at px3podcast.com. You can support me with a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20, and our cash app is px3cash. Our checks or anything else that you'd like to send me in the mail. And I got some great vintage Bush Quail 88 and Bush Quail 92 placards that came in the mail this week to the uh, to the P.O. Box. Send that and anything else you'd like. P.O. Box 1531 Austin, Texas 78715. Again, that is Post Office Box 153184 Austin, Texas 78715. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier. Get your name right at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in our Titanic $10 tier. Including Jason, Andres, Matt, John Gross, C. Garcia, El Basso, Matthew T. John, Bugs Life, Neemeister, Craig Potts, MC Radio, Unsafe DB Levels, Amanda, Yield Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Catherine, Todd, and Vocaloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslanian. Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot. Middle aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted. Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen A, L, D, L, D, L, D. Really? Chopper, Andrew and Joshua, you want your name read on the show? It's just so easy. Take politics seriously.com. That's it for us today. Uh, on Friday, we will talk about the uh, the world of <laughs> uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. He is a very interesting figure, obviously son of uh, Robert Kennedy, brother of JFK, a scion of the most famous family in the history of the Democratic Party. And now he is a thorn in the side of a sitting Democratic president running a fairly quixotic campaign that has gotten enough traction to make him a nuisance worth dealing with. 
We will talk about that as well as a trade, a trade offer. If you had a commissioner for the Republican primary and the Democratic primary, one of them said, hey, look at this, straight up, one for one, these candidates who are running will just run in the other one's primary. RFK Jr. for Chris Christie. Who says no? We'll get into all that. That's Friday. Till next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss our Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.